Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning, 730 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keene. Some News this morning, Credit Suisse plans to eliminate an additional 2,000 jobs this year. Deepen cuts at the investment bank. Chief Executive Officer uh, Tijan Tayam uh, telling our uh, friend, uh, Francie Lacroix, that he is overhauling the Swiss lender to focus on wealth management. The shares jumping up by uh, 1.7% right now. SunTrust Banks, Georgia's largest lender, a big regional bank, says its wholesale banking business, though, will hire people, 200 over the next four years, seeking to increase merger and acquisition services. SunTrust not trading yet. Yesterday closed at 36.97. Saudi Arabia's stock exchange starting to ask banks to bid for a role, advising it on initial public offering for 2018, according to three people with knowledge of the matter. And some of the biggest shareholders of Deutsche Börse cautioning management not to overpay for the London Stock Exchange if a counteroffer emerges. People familiar with the matter say Intercontinental Exchange contemplating a bid for the LSE last week agreed to an all-share transaction valued at $12.6 billion. Now let's check in with Michael Barr and get the latest news headlines from around the world. Michael. Mike, thank you very much. There are conflicting reports about one of the suspects in the Belgian bombing. According to Belgian media, the main suspect in the Brussels bombings has been captured by police. It is reported that 24-year-old Najim Lashraoui was arrested by authorities. He was one of the three suspects on video at the Brussels airport. Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton were the big winners in yesterday's contests. They each won Arizona's primaries, increasing their delegate counts. Democrat Bernie Sanders won the Utah and Idaho caucuses, and Republican Ted Cruz claimed the Republican caucuses in Utah. But Trump and Clinton maintain a wide lead over their rivals. Trump has an overall delegate count of 739. Cruz is next at 465. Including superdelegates, Clinton has a delegate count of 1,681, compared to Sanders at 927. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike? Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Ray Katina Auto Group Bloomberg NBC Sports Update with John Stashner. Thanks, Mike. Mets and Yankees last night in Tampa. They won't play each other in New York until August. Yanks won 6-3. They scored five times in the second inning. All off Steven Matz, Alex Rodriguez, a 2-1 single. Luis Severino pitched into the fifth inning, struck out five. Opening day week from Sunday for the Mets in Kansas City, and the day after that for the Yanks against Houston in Havana yesterday. Tampa Bay Rays beat the Cuban national team 4-1. to one. The leadoff hitter for the Rays was outfielder Dayron Verona, who grew up in Cuba before leaving on a boat three years ago. He was reunited with relatives he had not seen since then. The latest Nets loss, 105-100 to Charlotte, as Jeremy Lin back in New York scored 21 points. The Hornets have won 19 of their last 24 games. Brooke Lopez had 29 for Brooklyn. Knicks are in Chicago tonight. Rangers host the Bruins. Washington won 4-2 at Ottawa. The Caps already have clinched the Metropolitan Division. BYU and Valparaiso, quarterfinal winners in the NIT, so both now headed to the Garden next week. Alfred Morris, who rushed for over 4,700 yards over the last four seasons in Washington, has joined a Redskins division rival, signing with the Dallas Cowboys. With Bloomberg, NBC Sports Update. I'm John Stashel. 
Thank you, John. As we uh, watch the markets, we are seeing a recovery in U.S. futures. They were flat for the longest time this morning. S&P futures moving a little bit higher now. Europe decidedly higher. The DAX up by 112 points right now. And even the Belgian stock market is up by 24 points. That's seven-tenths of a percent. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keen. The S&P futures up by a point now, a tenth of a percent. Dow futures are up by four points. That uh, barely registers as a percentage change, but it is green. NASDAQ 100 futures up by three points now, also a tenth of a percent. Time now for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, partnering with government and industry to apply the university's world-class research assets to innovate and spur economic growth. Learn more at njit.edu. Here's Bob Moon. Michael, good morning. Here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Now that the FBI has come up with a strategy to get out of its messy court case with Apple over accessing a dead terrorist iPhone, new complications could arise. The possible hack that the FBI says it's trying may be subject to a relatively new and little-known rule that will require the government to tell Apple about any vulnerability potentially affecting millions of iPhones. That's unless it can show a group of administration officials that there's a substantial national security need to keep the flaw a secret. Wave and pay wearables are supposed to be the next big thing. And indeed, users like the convenience of having their wallets on their wrists. At Florida's Walt Disney World, tourists can wave their magic bands to pay for food or get into their hotel rooms. A jogger wearing an Apple Watch doesn't need to carry cash or a credit card on a run. But there hasn't been wide adoption yet. And one of the reasons is something the tech industry is still struggling with, the potential for theft and hacking. Companies are testing a variety of tools for verification. Is it enough to pair the payment device with your phone? Or maybe they need to go as far as measuring a user's heart rate for verification. And a fresh blow to BlackBerry. By the end of the year, Facebook, the most used mobile app, will drop its support of the BlackBerry platform. BlackBerry has posted a support note recommending users just use Facebook from their web browsers. And that's this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Michael. Thank you, Bob. Well, as we mentioned, we were talking about with Bob Hormes a few minutes ago, uh, markets have recovered very quickly from yesterday's shocking news from Belgium. Robert, uh, looking at it from the sort of geopolitical point of view that we see these things a lot. David Kotak looks at it from an investor's point of view. He is the founder and chief investment officer at Cumberland Advisors, and he is in New York today, so we thought we would ask him why it has become so easy to put these things behind us. When we saw terrorist attacks in the past, that would have a major impact, particularly in equity markets, and then you would see a, a major flight to safety into U.S. bonds and, and certain currencies. All of that happened briefly and went away uh, less than 24 hours after the attack. Well, even less than eight hours after the attacks. Well, yeah, good morning, Mike. It's nice to always be here. Um, we are becoming used to this. We're accustomed to it. The first time is a shock. Second time, less of a shock. Third time, less of a shock. So reactions in markets are becoming used to a sequence, a continuum of these kinds of events and a developing expectation that there's going to be more of them. And therefore, when it comes to markets, markets say, okay, I need to reprice, discount, take a look at the 
implications in financial and economic terms and then move on. And that's what markets are doing. Well, uh, in no way do I want to minimize this, but what you said about uh, discount and take it, uh, into account the implications of this, there don't seem to be financial market implications to the kind of terror attacks we have seen, say, in Paris and in Brussels. I, I think I think there there's two. One is a terrorist attack slows economic activity. Somebody doesn't take a trip. People change behaviors. And when they do, at the same time, the governments that are involved have an additional cost. So you have a shift in fiscal policy that worsens, and you have behavioral changes which reduce economic activity. We saw this after Paris when tourism fell off. We're going to see it again after Brussels in cities, not just in Brussels. We'll see it in Paris. We'll see it in Amsterdam. We'll see it because people have fear, so they change their behavior. The second thing is for Europe, I think we now are at zero interest rates for the rest of this decade because there's not a lot of resilience to an economic shock. And this is an economic shock in addition to the personal tragedy. And now if you look at Draghi, the banking system, which is not resilient, which is trying to recover, and you administer another shock, take it down another level, what do you have to work with? Only the central bank, only negative interest rate policy. I would expect the interest rate in the Eurozone and its peripheral, other places in Europe, will be zero or lower for the rest of this decade. That is a remarkable financial market event. Uh, I only have 30 seconds here before we have to take a break, but I presume that doesn't mean you would stay out of Europe. It would just change what you look for. No, because when you value stocks, a basket of stocks in Germany now, and you're up against a zero interest rate for years, they look very attractive here. David Kotak is with us from Cumberland Advisors. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment. I do want to pass this along, the uh, news website, dh.be, which had earlier reported on the arrest of the uh, man thought to be the mastermind of the Brussels attack, is now withdrawing that report. Uh, we don't know in whether or not they have arrested the man, but prosecutors in Belgium say they will hold a press conference at the top of the hour at 8 o'clock Eastern time, so we will keep you informed of the latest developments from Brussels. Latest developments from the markets show futures are higher, yields little changed on the day. The U.S. yield curve moves up just a little bit. Dollar gets a little bit stronger against its major trading partners. This is Bloomberg Radio Worldwide. We're counting down to the opening bell, brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. 
And I'm Karen Moscow, and this update is brought to you by SS&C. More experience, superior technology, independence, and expertise. That's how SS&C drives the future of fund administration. SS&C, they are the future of fund administration. Credit Suisse Group Chief Executive Tijan Tiam pledged to accelerate a restructuring through deeper cost cuts and by eliminating an additional 2,000 jobs as he forecast a first quarter loss. Tiam made the comments in an interview with Francine Lacroix on Bloomberg television. In essence, what we've announced today is really pushing the cost program further and shrinking global market more, so from 85 billion to 60 billion. And really that is largely a reaction to what happened since then. If you look at markets, January was the worst January ever. Yes, we had a plan that was robust and that was designed for most conditions, but not the the worst January ever. And again, that's Credit Suisse Group Chief Executive Tijan Tiam speaking with Bloomberg's Francine Lacroix. U.S. stock index futures, meanwhile, a little change to higher this morning. S&P E-mini futures up two points. Dow E-mini futures up eight. NASDAQ E-mini futures up four. The DAX in Germany is up 1.2 percent. Ten-year Treasury up 2.30 seconds. The yield 1.93 percent. NYMEX crude oil down 7 tenths percent or 30 cents to 41.15 a barrel. COMEX gold down 1.2 percent or $15 to 12.33.60 an ounce. The euro, a dollar a the yen won 12.59. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen Mosco, thank you very much. We're talking with David Kotak, the founder, chief investment officer of Cumberland Advisors. He's in town to visit us. And Tom, uh, David mentioned during the break two of your favorite subjects. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let him explain this to you. But he's doing a study heavy on math. Your favorite. And I'm asking your permission to do math on the program here. And financial repression. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Well, yeah. um, Two of my colleagues, Leo Chen and Bob Eisenbeiss, are working. And we're working on trying to find how much U.S. interest rates are being suppressed by negative interest rate policies coming from Europe and now Japan. And we are first draft work with our squareds that are forecasting those spreads of 80 and 90 we are getting ranges now this is preliminary work of between 30 and 90 basis points on the 10-year u.s treasury yield from what it would otherwise be on the existing economics that we mm-hmm. know if we didn't have NERP. And what we're finding is the spread is widening all the time you can see it visually in a chart okay. and you can estimate it and well, we're working let, on let's that translate that in that R squared is a conventional way to look at two ideas and say how linked are they, how tight yeah. are they. And what it comes down to is the word tension. And, and basically, David, what you're saying is the tension is increasing as we move from policy prescription to chronic policy prescription. Exactly. Exactly. I think the key word here, Michael, and it's something for James Bullard, is when do you shift from well-intentioned guidance to chronic outcomes that are much like chronic illness? You, you know, you're going to have a conversation with James Bullard. An interesting question to put to James Bullard is when you look at five-year, five-year forward rates, when you look at the U.S. Treasury yield curve, the distribution of interest rates, are your traditional forecasting tools broken because outside of the United States you are, have a force which is forcing those yields lower? What do you do to make policy in the United States? Yeah, and this implies the export of disinflation, Mike, and deflation to 
the United States. Exactly. We did see uh, five-year forwards decline significantly over the last six months. Over the last six weeks, they've started to go the other direction. Is that uh, result, I mean, we have seen a change in the yield curve, say, in Germany. Uh, we've gone, it's still negative, but we've gone up by about uh, eight basis points or so. Or is that because we are seeing more inflation in the United States? Well, we don't know. Maybe some of each. We're, we're doing an interesting set of work now, and we're using the, there is no German inflation index bond. So we're using the French inflation index bond and TIPS and watching that spread widen. And you've got lots of issues. This is a complex kind of thing. But the fact is, if there is a force beyond the borders of the United States that suppress interest rates in the bond markets of the United States, that is not a tool in the usual policy kit of the Federal Reserve. And we're not overheating, are we? No, we are not overheating. I mean, all of our listeners are going, wait, pushed rates lower all my textbooks in my childhood told me that's an overheated America. But exactly, Tom. You have to. Well, I think you take the textbooks, everything written about pre two thousand and nine, throw them in the trash. You look at textbooks. That's a and big they trash can at my house. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. And and you look at textbooks and you say there is nothing in the textbook about negative interest rates in one-fourth of the output of the world, 24% yeah. of the GDP of the planet. And, and, Mike, what I would take here is modern economics, which I have a great respect for, and its mathiness is in the general phrase here, folks, without getting into the details, it's called DSGE, but the, the mathiness and optionality of modern economics maybe doesn't work within the blunt instrument of financial crisis banking crisis, and stagnant nominal GDP, which harkens, frankly, to pre-World War II. I think that's exactly well put. Yeah. I don't think the Fed would necessarily disagree with you. One of the issues has been I agree incorporating with financial markets into the DSGE models. And we'll stop yeah. there because we don't want to have everybody, have everybody uh, t- turning off their radios. But uh, the idea that the Fed is, has not found a good way to incorporate developments in markets into the models of what happens when they raise or lower rates. So let's just go straight to the question of raising or lower rates, David, at uh, uh, 20, well, 50 uh, basis points uh, is the target. 25 to 50 basis points is the range. Um, are we still seeing financial market distortions, and how high would we need to go if we are to get rid of them? Well, we see some distortions, fewer, yield curve flattening, maybe another quarter point, maybe to 1%, because the far, out my view, in his opinion, The foreign downward pressure of negative rates is doing part of the job for the Fed. They do not have to raise the short-term interest rate very much. They widen a spread when they move, and a spread gets widened if Japan moves or even Hungary a little smidge now or the European Central Bank or somebody else. So it's a spread-widening phenomenon. Fed doesn't know how to deal with it. You get to the kind of one of the heart of it for professional investors. It's not the rate, it's the spread that matters. The spread matters, absolutely. I just put on Twitter, can can I do an advertisement here? Uh, Sure. This portion of Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by our friends at Dynamic Stochastic General Equilibrium. (laughs) 
I put that on Twitter. It's always worthwhile to explain DSGE. But I think if you go any farther, everybody's going to be tuning over to the Disney Music Station. There are now like more people listening in the studio <laughs> than out in Radio Land. David, when did we get Matthewness? If you look at Samuelson 48, Paul Samuelson's iconic textbook, or even Blanchard, I think it's in its fifth edition, Alan Blinder on the other day, I think 11th or 12th. There's not that much math in there. No, there's not a lot of math, but now math is driving everything, and that's a shame, trying to be precise, forward-looking with math. Samuelson, you remind me of the famous quote, how accurate can accurately can we forecast, and he said, minus three-quarters, and it gets better with time. Yeah. And that's where we are, and it's worse now. And to purport to do anything else right. is to mislead well, people. Well, our government officials have to plug in GDP within our budget reports. They also have to plug in interest rate guesstimates. Are yeah. they changed by Mr. Eisenbeis's work on the subdued yields due to international policy? Well, I, we believe so. And therefore, the, this hand-wringing about the big interest bill that's going to hit the U.S. budget. It may, but it may be years from now before it does because suppressed interest mm. rates. So what do you do for a client who's financially repressed? Oh, now you've got a real problem. No, don't look at me. Turn to John Tucker and give me <laughs> No, John, look, if I had his millions, then I wouldn't have to work. But the fact is, if you look at interest rates, you have to find places that are cheap. You've heard me many times say you've got a 4% high-grade sovereign debt tax-free bond in the United States. It's a great bargain. People don't want it because they're afraid rates are going to go up and the price will go mm. down, and that's a mistake. You have to look at equity markets. You have to look at other asset classes. Can you buy Belgium this morning? Can you go long Belgium? Well, you can get an ETF that gets you there. And therein lies a, 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 a selective issue. I would rather own Germany than Belgium because okay. companies like Siemens and Bayer, you look at the German stock market, it has an earnings yield of 6% and it wow. has a flat line at zero for a sovereign debt interest rate, and you can now, on the heels of this, say, gee, that zero is going to be there for five more years. Those stocks are now cheap. Okay. Same thing in Japan. Never, never dull. David Kotak uh, with us with many, many different uh, views. We have to leave people with his, uh, his uh, main advice of the day, who is telling John Tucker and I while you were out of the studio. Trout are smarter than economists. Amen. Trowler smarter than economists. <laughs> are there, are there, are there neoclassical trout? <laughs> if they're speckled. They're speckled trout instead of Keynesian. David Kota, Cumberland Advisors, look for their research on low interest rates. James Bullard at the 9 o'clock hour, we begin another hour of Bloomberg Surveillance.